It was just a couple of months after being in, in a brand new church building back in 1995 at First Assembly in Pine Bluff that I noticed significant damage to the back wall of the sanctuary. We called uh, the person who did all the drywall, asked him to assess it, and he repaired it. But a few weeks later, the damage recurred. And he said, I know what's going on. He said, you've got a shifting foundation. Now I can keep coming out and repairing the wall, but until we fix the foundation, uh, this is going to keep happening. And I thought, what an illustration of how often we try to address symptoms instead of the foundation. And that if we would address the foundation of who we are, it could af af fix or affect or impact some of the symptoms that we often struggle with. Let's ask God today to address the foundation of us as followers of Christ and as a church. I've come into this this year with foundational words in my heart. I've started preaching on those from day one. I believe that one of those foundational words is God's overflowing fullness among us and what happens as a result. Today, I wanna to talk to you about another one of those key ingredients that must be poured into the foundation of who we are. And it's the importance of faith. Listen to this verse. It says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now that's just how significant it is. Another passage says we are to walk by faith. Now we know that in order to be saved, we must express faith in the finished work of the cross. But it also says to then live the life we were saved to live must also be lived by faith. Paul comes along and he says, walk in faith and walk by faith. Hebrews 11, it's one person after the other who expressed faith. And as a result, they experienced partnership with God in the miraculous activity of God. And what makes that whole chapter extraordinary is not extraordinary people, but ordinary people who put faith in an extraordinary God. See, that's important or else we will see ourselves differently than the people we read about in scripture, rather than seeing we're just like them and we have the same privilege to open our hearts and trust the God they trusted and to experience a work of his power in and through our lives in the present generation. So by faith, Abel offered a sacrifice that was acceptable to God. And by faith, Noah built an ark. And by faith, Abraham believed, even though he was well beyond the years of having children. And by faith, the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. And it was by faith that Joshua led and David, and the list goes on and on. And then it groups a number of them without names, but still says, because of their awesome faith in a great God. They are listed in what we would call the hall of fame of faith. Matter of fact, quoting Jesus, matter of fact, the only time he's quoted as saying that he was amazed by someone was in expression to a person's faith. Of all the times that people were amazed at what he said, what Jesus said, and amazed at his actions, in Matthew 8, Jesus stands amazed at a man's faith. It was the centurion. He came to Jesus and he said, my servant is dead. 
But if you will speak the word, he's sick. And if you'll just speak the word, he'll be healed. You don't even have to go to where he is. See, this Roman centurion understood authority. He said, I understand as I say to those, go and they go. And to others, I tell them to stay and they stay because they understand that I am backed by the power of the Roman government. There is something that gives substance to the authority of which I use. And so they respond to that authority. This centurion says, I'm watching that sickness and disease are subject to your authority. And without this Roman centurion having figured it all out, he knows there is a backing of power to this authority that Jesus has to the point that even sickness and disease were in submission. So he says, understanding this, if you will just speak your word, my servant will be healed. To which Jesus looked at his disciples and said, I am amazed at his faith. Oh, the importance of faith. The significance of faith to our walk with God. That's why once we are saved, people say we're now in the school of faith. That in this life of hills and valleys, we are taught and given opportunity to trust God more. I want to tell you something today. That we are given a lifetime of opportunity. But we are going to have to seize that opportunity within the lifetime of the opportunity. Let me give that quote to you on the screen by Leonard Ravenhill. And here's what we're learning. That according to Jeremiah 29, 11, we are all created by God and are given opportunity. Now that is the opportunity of a lifetime. Because we're given one life, created by God for that life. And in that life, God has ordained opportunity. He says he knows our days. They're like pages in a book. And as the pages turn, there are opportunities. And it's called the opportunity of a lifetime. However, the opportunity has an expiration date. So he says we must seize that opportunity before it passes. The, life, the opportunity of the lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. We don't want the opportunity to pass us by. And if we're going to seize the opportunity, we're going to have to express faith. It is impossible to really experience the opportunity that God has for you and for us without faith. I am convinced that God has an incredible opportunity for every one of you as followers of Christ. I, I say that backed by scripture that God hasn't saved you to a life void of challenges. He has saved you to a life where there will be adversity. But I'm telling you, he has also saved you to a, a life where you can leave a legacy of triumph. Where you can leave a legacy of having trusted God and experienced the activity of God in your everyday life where you are seizing the opportunities that God would like to open up for you. You have one 
and one life only. And to seize the opportunity means you understand it has an expiration date. So we must express faith. Let's learn how to do that. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 is where we look at the father of faith. His name is Abraham. And we're going to look at one verse. Verse number one says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Notice what we learn from just this one verse. What kind of faith does it take and how do you build the kind of faith so that you can seize the opportunity of a lifetime? It is faith that comes from the living word of a living God. I would encourage you to put that into your heart, write it down somewhere because it is true. In verse one, it says, the Lord said to Abram, it all started with a living word from a living God. Now it's important that you see the wording of this point. It's a living word from a living God. I'm taking this beyond Bible knowledge. There is a difference in having Bible knowledge and living from a word that God has given you from the word of God. In no way am I encouraging you to look for a word outside of his word. What I'm saying is that if we just give ourselves to facts, if we just build our knowledge of God without incorporating the spirit with the word, then it is quite possible that the word never comes alive in us. Therefore, we never build the relationship, but we do build religion. I remind you that the people in the New Testament that Jesus struggled with the most were the people who had the most knowledge of Scripture. They were the religious group. If you study the crucifixion, you will find that those who put him on the cross were the ones who had the most knowledge of Scripture. It is possible for us to sit in church week after week and grow and expand in our knowledge of God and leave here and never express faith from the living word that has gone off like a a firework in our heart from the word of God. Are you with me? You understand the difference? It's, It's the difference between just hearing and doing. It's where I'm coming in here saying God is alive. And so I don't just give myself to dogma, doctrine. I also connect with that great rich doctrine the dynamic of the life of God, where the word becomes a word of the Lord to me so that when I confront the challenges, I'm not speaking my word. I'm releasing the word God has given me because there's power in the word of God. So this kind of faith begins with a living word from a living God. And then notice, let's go back to Genesis 12, 1. As we study his response, we learn he obeyed. He left the comfort familiarity of home. He was willing to respond in obedience. Now, if I receive God's living word and obey it, then I walk into the partnership 
where God releases his power as I express faith in the promise. As I obey, God begins to do what only he can do. Let me try to illustrate through the life of Joshua. Joshua is the guy who took over once Moses died. Joshua leads the people into the promised land. Their first challenge is the Jordan River. The Jordan River is at flood stage. Unlike the Red Sea, which parted before anyone stepped forward, the Jordan River continues to flow. Several of the leaders were actually in the river before it started to roll back. And as they express faith and obedience in the word of God to move forward, then the power of God begins to work until it rolls the Jordan back, even at flood stage, where they walk across then on dry ground. They then get to Jericho. Jericho is a fortified wall. They move in unconventional strategy. That is to simply march around the wall and at the, at the trigger point, they are going to release a great shout. It is also incredible and another message to be willing to express faith when it's countercultural and it's counter our experience. You could bring right in the passage where Peter has fished all night and caught nothing. And yet Jesus says, cast your net on the other side of the boat. Your experience says fish aren't biting. Now you've got a challenge. Will you act in obedience to the word of God or not? Will you trust even against conventional wisdom? As they're marching around the wall, nothing says that that strategy will work, but the word of God has spoken. They're putting faith in that living word, expressing it in obedience, and at the right moment, the wall shatters and comes down. Now, you can track with Joshua, and you'll see him put his faith in God and then follow it with obedience because you never enter that partnership of the power of God unless you obey. Now, listen to me. We've got some things to do as a church family. And the Lord will speak. But once he speaks, the key is, will we obey? Because not until we obey will we experience the supernatural activity of God in response to his promise. In Joshua chapter 10, five kings, it's like a league of kings have come together. God gives Joshua word, take your men and attack. But Joshua realizes with this kind of enemy force, they need a preemptive preemptive strike, so they're going to strike early in the morning. They do so. It's a great battle plan. Throughout the day, they are gaining ground. But then it says God sent a storm. The result of the storm was panic filled the hearts of the enemies. The scripture goes on to say, that more were killed that day because of the storm than the sword. Now put it together. Joshua received a word from God. He then acted in obedience. And as he did, the supernatural power of God made something easier than it would have been. For more people 
were killed by the supernatural activity of God than the sword. It's getting toward the end of the day. The sun is going down. Joshua realizes if they don't completely finish the battle, it is possible that this enemy will retreat into the night. They can recover, regroup, and then they will have to fight them again. At that point, Joshua could have started thinking, how best do we start early in the morning to try and attack while they're weak? He could have been processing conventional strategy. But when you've received God's word, you've acted in faith to that word by obeying and seeing God start moving in power and doing even beyond what you can do. You start elevating your prayers. You start asking in a more audacious way. And so in Joshua 10, Joshua says to God, could you hold the sun up for one more hour? God, if you could somehow stop the sun from going down and give me one more hour, I could finish this battle. I am challenged by a guy who would be willing to pray and ask God to give him a 25th hour. Now think of the science involved. Think of all that's got to be managed in order to stop the sun for one more hour in that region of the world for that area so Joshua can follow through. And yet, if you study the scripture, that is exactly what God did and Joshua finished the battle that day. I feel a stirring in my heart to say to us, that we have a lot of symptoms in this community that speak of sin's damage. Rather than address the symptoms, let's come back to God as God's people and address that which is foundational, and that is our faith in God. And as a church, let's get a living word from the living God, from the word of God. Let's obey that word. And as we move out, then God gets involved as we obey at his word. And the supernatural happens. And it counters our own experience. It counters what the world says is possible. We look at our community and we see difficulty. But I want to tell you our greatest difficulty is not remotely difficult for our great God. Nothing is impossible with God. God is wanting a church family that will take him at that level. That nothing is impossible. That there is a power backing the name of Jesus and sickness and sin is subject to that name. So may God's people act on that word in obedience and partner and watch an expression of the power of Almighty God. Faith starts with a living word in a living God that then expresses itself in obedience. Now we get to a very critical third piece, back to Genesis 12.1. 
Last phrase, and go to the land that I will show you. He doesn't tell him where he's going or how long it's going to take to get there. The kind of faith that God is looking for in you and me and us is a faith that will accept uncertainty. It's very hard for American Christians. We like control. We like to manage our time. I know how much time I have tomorrow, so I will plan it. I'll plan my use of time today that I'm going to have tomorrow so that I'm in control and not something or someone else. I know how much money is coming in, so I will budget so as to manage, so as to control for an expected outcome. I am not speaking at all negatively when it comes to this kind of management. The Bible would call it stewardship. But the downside and the dark side is when we do want to control to the point that we will not take a step of faith unless we can dot every I and cross every T. And yet, throughout Scripture we learn, and from church history, nothing of significance has been accomplished where at the beginning they had every fact and every figure. So, we've got to accept uncertainty. He didn't know where he was going, how long it would take to get there, what would be needed on the journey. So now his faith and obedience is is going to open to the point that it can accept the unknown. Now, I want to give you another story that supports what we're talking about. Jonathan is with his armor bearer. They are behind this rock, just the two of them. The blacksmith shop of Israel has been closed. No new swords have been made. There's one sword between two guys. And in Jonathan's heart, he feels this leading that the two of them should step out and attack the Philistines, tens of thousands, and they have the high ground. As you look at the circumstances, there is no way. It's impossible. There's a difficulty that's beyond their ability to overcome. Two men with one sword can't possibly defeat the many Philistines who are equipped. So Jonathan says to his armor bearer, I feel we should attack, here are his words, for perhaps the Lord will fight for us because you know it's nothing for our God to save by many or by few. Now let's together go and join Jonathan and the armor bearer behind the rock. I would like to be the armor bearer for a moment. Jonathan says to me, let's, and he's talking about the two of us, take our one sword. I want to clarify who gets it. (laughs) And let's go up the high ground and attack all these Philistines that have resources. The next thing is when he says to me, for perhaps the Lord will fight for us. I'm going to say, go back to sleep. 
get back in the dream and let the dream finish because I'm not coming out from this hiding place until you can say, let's fight for I know that the Lord will give us victory today. I'm telling you, no refrigerator magnet has the scripture, perhaps. I've been in houses. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. I've never seen, perhaps. I thought of a Christian t-shirt. But then like some of my other ideas, they wouldn't sell. Can you imagine? Here's the shirt. The Lord, right across the front, the Lord will fight for us. Then on the back, maybe. (laughs) Who's buying that shirt? Now, what I want you to get is the reality that we get to experience in the story of Jonathan and the armor bearer is our present reality. It will be so until we get to heaven. We don't know what the future holds. And unless we're willing to accept that uncertainty, we will not act in obedience to the living word from the living God and will never experience the supernatural intervention so that at the end of the day, we can say to God be the glory. Because how else could Joshua have won the battle in Joshua 10 but God? How else would Jonathan and the armor bearer win this battle but God. So God is going to be glorified among the nations because of this great miracle. But if they needed to dot every I and cross every T and have certainty before they ever stepped out, we would never have the story. Now watch, here's what the enemy of our souls would love. For us to take our responsibility of due diligence, which is important, Feasibility studies, which are important, to the extent that we won't do anything until we can do it. So that at the end of the day, our dependency is really on ourselves, on what we see the limits of our resources. Yet, the opportunity of our lifetime, because it comes from God, will always be greater than our talent level, our creativity, and our amount of money. So we will, watch this, let our opportunity expire because we're not willing to accept uncertainty. And the cost of missing our opportunity is way more than the cost of expressing faith in God. So Jonathan and the armor bearer, are two amazing people. The armor bearer says to Jonathan, do whatever God puts in your heart. I am with you, heart and soul. What would happen if we as a church family came together and said, we're together, heart and soul, and we're gonna do what God has called us to do? regardless of odds, regardless of circumstance. We will study. We want to know how many swords we have. We want an assessment of the enemy. 
We want to look at the circumstances. They do have the high ground. We need to move at the right time. There are all of those things in the natural, but it, it is a result of our movement toward the promise so that God gets involved. And so Jonathan and the armor bearer step out. They attack. And in the first minutes of the battle, they are getting some success. So now they have two swords because they can take one from the enemy. Now you got two guys, both have a sword, and they're fighting with all of their heart. And because they acted on the word of the living God in obedience, in the face of uncertainty, God gets involved. And once again, he puts a panic among the Philistine army until the point thousands of them are turning and running, the Bible says. Now try to put yourself at that place. We've been behind the rock with the two guys trying to discern whether or not they should act on God's word. Now they're fighting with all of their heart. But suddenly they realize the enemy is running and they realize the ground's shaking a little bit because God has partnered with two of his faith-filled followers. And God is shaking the earth and doing that which would put the fear in a Philistine heart the most and causing them to run. I think of the four lepers who were starving to death and they're sitting having a conversation of how they would die. And one of them finally gets the brilliant idea and says, you know, if we're going to die, we might as well die going forward. Now, I personally like that. And so their going forward means they're going toward the enemy's camp. And in the enemy's camp, there's provision. So here are these depleted lepers shuffling toward the enemy's camp. They're going... We're going to die. We might as well die going forward. I wish I had the time to preach on what would happen in the local church if we knew we didn't have to survive. What would we do for God? And so here, these four lepers are shuffling toward the enemy's camp because that was the word of the Lord. And God gets involved and puts this heavenly microphone to their little depleted shuffle and transfers it through the sound system of heaven and the subwoofers of heaven until when the sound gets to the enemy's camp, it sounds like tens of thousands of soldiers marching and the wheels of chariots rolling until the entire army ran scared for their life in the night until when the, the little lepers get there, they start stockpiling food. And they say, this is a day of good news. I know we're a mere shuffle in the face of cultural sin, in our own strength, resources, wisdom, and ideas. But when God partners, because we're expressing faith and obedience and accepting uncertainty, you can expect for God to create the sound. Hallelujah. That would give the church the power to move forward without even the gates of hell prevailing against us. Can we give the Lord a praise this morning? I receive that in my heart. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Let me give a few thoughts in conclusion. We're talking about a choice here. A choice to live with a scarcity mentality and fearful and wondering and just trying to control minutes and miss the opportunity to live minutes. I wanna get to the place where I'm not working on a life that is more focused on comfort and survival than the touch of God. I would rather have a quality of life defined as walking in faith, experiencing the power of God, than a long life where all I did was try and control and survive. I want to make a choice today, and I want you to make a choice to receive the living word from the living God and obey it even in the face of uncertainty. Everybody's looking for a key for the difficulty. Everybody's looking for a key for the discouragement, the depression, the spirit of heaviness that's over our country because of the times in which we live. I remember the Sunday after 9-11, our church grew in attendance by 300 people that day. Everyone's face was screaming at me saying, we're looking for certainty. Give us the key to certainty. And the key was not a key to centering our hearts in what God does, but who God is. And if we will center our souls in who God is, it will anchor us when we don't understand what he's doing. In our control, the dark side is, I want answers. In submission, I want him. And when I find him, I learn that his promise is far better than the outcome. I really believe that Joshua reached the place where the word of the Lord meant more to him then when waters were rolling back, walls were coming down, giants were being defeated, enemies were being thwarted, and the sun was standing still. I think Joshua found the electricity in God in the word of God. And when the church gets a hold of that, we're then centered in God. And that anchors us when we don't know exactly what he's doing. Twenty-two days after you were conceived, an electrical impulse stimulated your heart muscle, and your heart started to beat. And ever since that second, you have been on a journey. And that journey is a result of God creating you. I don't know the circumstances surrounding your birth. I couldn't control them, nor you. I had no control over the fact that I discovered America in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. 
no control of that. But my journey began in my mother's womb, discovered this world in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. And as I grow, my responsibility in life I experience is not tied to the circumstances of my birth, the advantages or disadvantages of my childhood, but the expression of faith in the living word of a living God, followed by obedience in the face of uncertainty to experience the opportunity of a lifetime. I thank God for the way I was raised and I'm blessed beyond measure. I don't know why God would, would give me the kind of Christian parents he did. I, I don't know, I, I'm forever grateful. But I've got choices to make now as an adult. If you come from similar circumstance or the opposite, the bottom line is you have the power of choice. And if you'll take the key of choice and put it into the character and nature of God, then it will open you to the life of opportunity before the opportunity expires. We serve the God of the impossible. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to Nebuchadnezzar, be it known unto you this day, O king, that our God is able to deliver us from the fire. But if not, we still will serve him. Now capture that in all I've said. They're expressing faith in the living word in the face of uncertainty. Far as they knew, when you go in fire, you don't come out, right? And they are willing to accept the uncertainty with the footnote that fire is still not greater than their God. But they're not going to let their choice be determined by outcome. Their choice is determined by centering their soul in God. And in that situation, they are connecting with the fourth man in the fire. They come out of the fire. They aren't burned. They don't smell like smoke. The only difference is they went in tied up, and all the fire did was burn the bondage away. Come on, somebody. That's exciting. And they come out free. Liberated. So here's Peter in the New Testament in a boat with a bunch of scared Christians. Storm is raging. And to make matters worse, it seems that now a ghost has come walking on the water. And then they say, no, it's Jesus. Have you ever been so wigged out that Jesus looked like part of the problem? And so Peter says, hey, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come out there walking on the water. And he says, it's me. Come on. And a man gets out of the boat and walks on water. But when he goes down, it doesn't say that Jesus, like the guardian, dove in, scooped him up in the Coast Guard basket, gets him back to the boat and says, 
I slapped you upside your head. I told you, don't take your eyes off me. No, no. It says that Jesus reaches in, lifts them up, and it says, and they walked, they walked back to the boat together. Fire in the Old Testament. Water in the New Testament. All that were no match for our God. People who trusted God in spite of the uncertainty of the future responded in faith. And Peter got out of the boat when the storm was raging. He's very weary because they've been fighting that storm now all through the night. Isn't it something that our opportunity may not present itself when we're at our best, our strongest, and just poised to carpe diem. <laughs> you know, it's like, when does that ever happen? No, no, it happens when you're windblown and tired and fatigued and you fished all night and you haven't caught anything and then you get it. The word starts stirring in your heart. And perhaps if I act at his word, he will respond. And so Peter throwing that net on the other side of the boat caught so much fish it almost sank the boat. So he calls everybody else over and they fill up their boats because God is so awesome. I would like to say to the debt on this building, you are nothing compared to our God. I would like to say to the economy of this culture, you are nothing compared to our God. I would like to say to the strength of sin that is destroying lives, you are nothing compared to our God. And where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And when the church rises up in faith, then the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Giants are coming down. The walls are coming down. Waters are going to part because waters don't part for people going backwards. They part for people who are going to take the future in faith but of the living word of God. Let's praise him this morning that we have that opportunity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Will you close your eyes with me this morning? Do you need to pray a sun stand still kind of prayer? Are you at a season that's requiring more faith than you've ever had to express? Are you at a time in life where it's tougher than it's ever been? Hear me today, I'm speaking to your heart. God wants to give you faith for this season. God wants to give you faith for this part, this chapter. I wanna tell you, your opportunity is there. Don't let it expire. Holy Spirit, move across this place. Faith has grown as we have been together today. There's an inspiration in the room that comes from the word 
and the Spirit. There's a freedom here today to dream and to dream big, to dream or dream again, to speak things that aren't as though they are, to walk by faith and not by sight. Faith, the substance of things hoped for, the substance, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. You'd say, I'm at a time where I need to express faith and it's just honestly not easy because of the uncertainty. I want you to know I join you in that, but the Lord is helping me and the Lord wants to help you and the Lord wants to help us. Don't be determined by that which is around you. Be determined by the God who lives in you. If you need to come to this altar, in a moment I'm going to ask you to. You're coming saying, I'm in a season that's requiring a new level of faith and I'm asking God to help me. I'm facing a difficulty, but I realize it's not difficult for God and I need his help. You need to do something that counters your own experience. You've been one to try and be so diligent that you you took away every question and there's just something in front of you and you can't answer all the questions but you still feel a, a leading to move toward it and you need faith. You need faith. As this team sings, if you fit one of those categories, I want you to come. Your faith journey begins when you accept Jesus as your Savior. If you've never accepted him, join those who are already saved but coming for their season. Your season is you need to enter a relationship with Jesus. As they sing, if you need to come, move quickly.
hearts reach to you on behalf of each person that has come today. We are all in a season. Some are in the toughest season they've ever experienced. Holy Spirit, you are a comforter and a counselor. You minister to the attitude of our heart and the attitude of our mind. You are a healer. You are a deliverer. You are a way maker. We would like to anchor our soul today in your character and nature. And as a result, faith begins to overwhelm and fear has to leave. Faith like a mustard seed, and that's all it takes. And the mountains start moving. I know that valleys, they can get very deep and be very long. We need you, the shepherd of every valley, to minister your grace to those who are now in one of the lowest valleys of their journey. Others are trying to climb a mountain of challenge. They're excited, but at the same time, they're weary, and they need a word that would restore them until they can tread on those high places with the stability that comes from you. Speak your word today, a word of promise, a word of hope. Speak your word from your word. Let it become an anchor Watch as these express obedience. Partner with them and do supernatural things. I pray for miracles, divine intervention, the love and presence of God to be so strong, their awareness of you to just be so in frequency with the presence of God in their life that they can praise you, worship you, be strengthened by you. You said that you prepare a table before us in the presence of adversity. May we receive that spiritual nourishment. In Jesus' name. Lord, there's a better time coming. Faith tells us that things are going to change. Faith tells us that one day the struggle will be over, that one day the battle will be won. Faith tells us to never quit, never give up, never retreat, that one day our faith will become sight. I praise you. I praise you for that. We will not be a prisoner of the discouragement, but we will be chained to a great expectation that's a result of our great God. 
Thank you, God, for your ministry to us today. We choose to walk in the comfort of your presence, the counsel of your word, in the motivation of your promise. In Jesus' wonderful name, and all of God's people said, for a God who is, who was, who is, who is to come. For a God who is and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. For a God who is a way maker, a shepherd of Shadow Valley. For a God who never leaves us nor forsakes us. For a God who is faithful, the same yesterday, today, and forever. May we praise Him this morning with our whole hearts. Can we do that right now? Let's praise the Lord. Some of you need to go forward with the decision that you've been waiting to make. Move forward. Take the ground. God's with you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? I want to leave you with this, okay? Sometimes it's easy for us to come to church we read about people like Joshua and we, we think, you know, I'm just not like him. I mean, I've never seen a river divide and a wall come down. I can't pray at the level of the sun standing. So I'm just so not like him. With those thoughts in my mind, feeling that very same way, I said, Lord, what's the key? And the Lord took me back to Exodus 33. Moses was in the tent of meeting where he's experiencing the very presence of God. After God met with him as a friend meets with a friend, it says that Moses returned to the people, but Joshua stayed in the tent. I want to leave you with this, and I want you to hear it right from Scripture. It's found in Exodus 33. And I don't want you to forget this because I think it gives us an insight that we need. Exodus 33. Joshua remained behind in the tent of meeting. He stayed in the presence of God. And anyone who will live in this book in the presence of God, word and spirit will so center their soul in the character and nature of God that when the time comes to take the step of faith, you will take it. We cannot do that apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Live in his word. Commune with him in prayer. And take the mountain. Stand and give him a great praise this morning. Amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. You're dismissed.